just wanted to kind of dovetail on what Kevin was saying, and I, I want to make a few declarations over this church, uh, over uh, the region for you guys, okay? Uh, and then I'll just pass the mic over to uh, Paul here. Uh, but God, I want to thank you, God, that from this place, Lord, I thank you that this place is going to be known for a place that seeks your face first and foremost. Lord, I thank you it's going to be a place that's going to be known, Father, for the manifest presence of God. That, God, I thank you it's going to be a place that people are going to seek your face, that they are going to seek the presence of God, and they are going to seek your heart first and foremost, God. And we just thank you, Lord, that the me- that is going to be the message that is going to resound, Father, to the region, to however far, God, that it's going to spread, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that that is what's going to be known and the message that's going to go forth from this place. And we just thank you, God, for that in Jesus' name. So let's pray real quick just to uh, sort of set the stage today. Um, so Holy Spirit, we just we welcome your presence here. We acknowledge your presence. We, we, we want your presence. We just can't do this without you. I can't do it without you. Nobody wants to hear me talk. And I don't want to talk unless you're talking through me. So we just, we, we invite your presence. It says in John 1 that the Holy Spirit, after jo- Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit rested on him and remained. And so you just, we ask for you to just rest on us and remain. In Jesus' name. And we come against any interference uh, in this church right now in the name of Jesus. Spirit of witchcraft, spirit of rebellion, I curse you, I rebuke you, I command you, get off of this church right now in Jesus' name. You're not welcome here. This church is covered in the blood of Jesus. Every member here is covered in the blood of Jesus. Every member here carries the divine presence of the Holy Spirit in them. And we rebuke you, Satan, and we command you to take your hands off of us. We break every task and assignment that the enemy has over this church right now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so, um, you know, I'm going to share a little bit about my testimony and kind of dovetail into... um, um, just the what I know God's heart for each one of us is here. Um, you know, I I was raised in a Christian home. I got uh, saved when I was four years old. I knelt at my bedside and asked Jesus to come into my heart. I still remember what the what the uh, the bed sheets looked like, and I remember what we had for dinner that night. I remember. Uh, my mom having me tell my dad uh, at the dinner table what I, what I, what about the decision that I made, and and then uh, two years later at the age of six, uh, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and got my prayer language, and um, you know it was very very uh, kind of normal for me. There was not a lot of there was not a lot of a mystical element because I you know it's just four. In fact, I didn't even really realize what I was saved from until I became a teenager and realized what a wreck my life was. And so, um, but as I grew up, you know, being raised in a Christian home and, and going to church all my life, I went to junior, you know, elementary school, junior high, high school, all of those were in private school. And um, I literally was in church six days a week and uh, twice on Friday because the youth group and then 
uh, three times on Sunday as the services and uh, played trumpet. We had a little orchestra and I played trumpet in the orchestra. And you know, all I did really my whole life was sit in a pew and warm up with the feet. And if people would look at me, they'd go, oh, that's Paul. Well, as a teenager, I was an idiot. But as a young adult, as a as a 30-year-old and a 40-year-old, and as I just warmed up a pew, people would, you know, they just respected me because I was just a constant uh, uh, presence in the church. I was just I just doing what I grew up doing. And uh, and I've been asked, you know, I, I was asked to be a deacon. Uh, and, and yet inside, I just, I just didn't, um, let me rephrase that. I wasn't asked to be a deacon. I was asked to, uh, to participate in the election process for deacons. So I was asked to stand, you know, and be elected. Um, and so, uh, but inside there just wasn't a lot of life in my relationship with the Lord. And, um, and so I was just getting tired of it. You know, when I was 13, 14 years old, I'd read about all the miracles that, the, that Jesus did and that the early church did, but I never saw it. And I, and I knew how to pray for people for healing and, and pray for people for things. Um, but I was afraid to do it because if it didn't happen, then what would that say about everything I believed in? What would that say about, you know, I'm surrounded, my whole life was surrounded by the church and by Christian friends and stuff. And if I prayed for someone to get healed and it didn't happen, then, then I'd have to, like, it was too big of a risk for me. It would change everything about, about my life, and I wasn't prepared to do that. And so uh, so as I, as I got older, um, uh, I, the Lord started, I just got to a place where I was just tired, just tired of, of, of just sitting in a pew and tired of, of not seeing the promises of Scripture being carried out in my life. And if you're like, is it, I mean, can anybody relate to this? There are these absolute statements in, in the Bible that I just wasn't seeing happening in the life around me. And so it finally took me 44 years of being a believer that I just said, look, either I'm going to, this is either going to uh, be true or I'm walking away. Because why, if, if there's one lie in scripture, it's all a lie. And so um, I'm sitting down, uh, just, I have my Bible open, um, and the Lord said, you know, read the book of Acts. And so I start to read the book of Acts, and, and by Acts chapter 2 is Pentecost, and Acts 3 is uh, the man at the beautiful gate being healed, and Acts 4 is Peter, who just, just a few brief time earlier had denied Jesus three times and wept bitterly over it. Uh, it says the Holy Spirit came upon him, and because the man at the beautiful gate, he didn't go home when he got healed. He went into the temple. You might not know this, but if you're disabled or disfigured or anything, you weren't allowed into the temple. It says in Leviticus that, that only people that were healthy could go into the temple. So this man had been laying out, it says in Acts chapter 4, that he'd been, for 40 years, he'd, his whole life he'd been lame, and he'd been sitting outside begging for money. And instead of going home, he goes into the temple because he finally gets to go into what was then where the presence of God was. And so everybody sees him. Now, we all know that the presence of God is no longer in that temple. It's in this temple, your temple. You are a temple, and you host the presence of God if you've asked Jesus to be Lord of your life, right? And so, but uh, they were still living, uh, it, they were now in the new covenant, but they were still living an old covenant lifestyle. So he goes into the temple and everybody recognizes him and they say, what's going on? Like, why? how? how, how is it that you're walking? And he says, well, don't ask me, ask these guys, Peter and John. 
And it says the Holy Spirit emboldened, came upon Peter and emboldened him. And he spoke, and he gave, a, he gave this bold, uh, 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 really preached boldly. And 3,000 or 5,000 uh, men came to the Lord. It was the, the first, like, mass conversion in the early church. So that's chapter 4. Chapter 5 is Ananias and Sapphira. And in chapter 5, it says that all of Jerusalem and the surrounding villages ha- were healed that the news of what the early church was doing was getting out to the surrounding area and they were bringing all of their sick people and there wasn't one sick person in the entire city of Jerusalem and the surrounding area. Peter would walk past people and his shadow would heal them. And it wasn't his shadow. He's just leaking the Holy Spirit. He's leaking the presence of God and God's nature is to heal. So people were getting healed just being in his presence. And I'm reading these things and I'm like, Lord, why don't I see this happening now? Why don't I see this happening now? And he takes he he knew you know there are all these names for for God in the Bible you know Jehovah Nissi Jehovah Jireh Jehovah Rapha Jehovah Sneaky you know and he was being Jehovah Sneaky to me and it's not it's not in the Bible but it's still it's a name it's a real name uh, at least to me and so he started to he knew what he was doing because he always knows what he's doing. And he took me through the book of Acts. He ignited something in my heart that changed me forever. And I started pursuing this book of Acts lifestyle. And I started finding people. God started orchestrating it. So people through YouTube or Facebook or whatever, I started seeing people walking that lifestyle. And do you know that anything you see anybody do for the kingdom, you can do yourself? Because you have the Holy Spirit in you. The same thing that's operating in them is operating in you. And you just have to give the Holy Spirit. Most of the time, we'll sit down in a pew, and we don't give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to do supernatural things in our lives because we're not willing to, to risk our faith. We're not willing to give him opportunities to move in a supernatural way. So, you know, your comfort zone is a prison. Your comfort zone is a prison. God never in Scripture asked you to be comfortable. Talk to the Christians in China or in Syria about comfort level. And yet those people will stand. You'll meet them in heaven one day. You'll be standing next to them in heaven. How many of you have ever read the book Heavenly Man? It's about a, about a man in China who's like my age because he went to all the dates that he said, like when he got saved and how old he was and what year it was. I'm reading him. I think I'm a year older than he is. And he's been put in prison. His family were starving because the way the whole system is set up that Christians can't have jobs in China. And so he's thrown in prison. He, he walks out of prison. They didn't let him go. Angels opened doors for him, and he literally walked out of prison. And then there was a 14-foot wall with barbed wire that he had to get over, and he doesn't know how he did it, but he finds himself on the other side of the wall. And he goes right back to his church to start preaching again. And, and they tortured him in prison. And it didn't change anything about, about what he did and who he was in Christ, and he went right back to the church. And you know what? We're going to stand next to people like that. We're blessed to be here. In heaven, I mean, in earth. <laughs> We're blessed to be here in the United States, right? We're blessed that you're blessed to live in alliance. And the book of Acts, it says that he picks the time and uh, chooses the time and place of, your, of where you live and the time that you live in. 
So you're here by design. You're blessed to be here. But you're going to be standing next to heaven. When I put that book down, I realized that I'm going to be standing next to in heaven next to people like that. And I want to be worthy of... I just want to I want to look at those people and say they lived out their call. I lived out my call. And when I read that book I couldn't say that. And I'm not called right now. I'm not called to go to prison for my faith. That's just I'm not. I might be and I need to be ready for that. Every one of us needs to be ready for that. Um but that's just not uh, we're I'm blessed that that's not the case right now. But you will be standing in heaven next to people like that who lived out their calling at tremendous at a tremendous price. And I just want you to feel like you did what you had, you did what you could with what you were given. And so uh, I put that book down, and um, and and God started to just awaken something in me. And and you're just every one of us is here for one reason. We're just we're we are on this earth earth for one reason, only one. It's just it's to have a relationship with God. It's the only reason you're here. And God has says in Scripture that He chose you before the foundation of time, that He He uh, daydreamed about you for eternity. And the the picture that the Bible paints as you read it is that there's this yearning that he would, that, uh, th- this yearning that he's had for eternity for you to know him. And now that you know him, if you're here and you've given Jesus to your, you've given your life to Jesus and you're now in right standing with the Father, now he wants to have an intimate relationship with you. It's the number one desire of his heart. He doesn't withhold anything from you. There's nothing that he's withholding from you. In fact, in, in uh, 1 Peter uh 1 Peter chapter 1, it says that you've been given, or is it 2 Peter chapter 1? Anyways, you've been giving all things pertaining to life and godliness. Everything is in you in the form of the Holy Spirit for you to have the deep and abiding relationship with the Lord. But in James chapter 4, verse 8, there's something you have to do first. And you have to draw nigh unto him, and he will draw nigh unto you. He will never force himself upon you. He desires relationship with you, but he desires you to initiate to make that first step. And so what I found in my life as I started to watch all of these healing videos and see all these these people that God had put in my life uh, that were just operating and doing amazing things, all the things that my heart longed to do, all the things that I read in Scripture of the early church doing and in Jesus doing, I just was like, it started to awaken something in me. And I didn't know it. I couldn't put my finger on it. But what was actually happening was that my mind was, I was being transformed through the renewing of my mind. That watching these videos, and you can go onto YouTube and type in, if you're interested, come see me and I'll give you some names. You can just type type into YouTube and you'll see uh, hundreds and hundreds of hours of people walking up to strangers out on the street with a GoPro camera and just saying, hey, I see that you have a cast on your leg, uh, can I pray for you? And um, we, part of what we did this weekend was to teach people how to approach strangers and, and, and start a conversation with them that's just organic and natural and, uh, and ask them if you could pray for them for healing. And so 
you're probably listening to that thinking, yeah, that's, you know, fat chance, you know. That was me. That was me. In fact, I, I tell the, uh, this is an absolute true story. We had an evangelist come to our church when I was a teenager, and uh, our youth group was going to go out and do street ministry and, uh, and do witnessing and stuff. And me and my buddy, we were scared to death at the prospect. I was a shy kid. I was a very shy kid as a teenager, and so instead, of, this is how bad it was. Instead of going to do street ministry, we went and, and, and picked up some girls. Like, we started, like, just macking on some girls, trying to get them to, you know, trying to get dates and stuff, which scares, scares the death. I'm scared to death to do that at that age, but I would rather do that than share the gospel. And so we actually invited these two girls to church. They, they actually came uh, for a couple Sundays, you know, it's like they didn't when they left. They didn't any know any more about the gospel than the than when they first met us. You know, but um, that's just where I was at. And when I started to to pray for people, uh, people would be get healed, and they'd be like, "Well, what is this? What's going on? How did this happen?" And that's so you know what they're asking is is they're really just saying, "Share the gospel with me," because if you if I pray for you and God heals you, I pray for you in the name of Jesus, and you get healed, and you'll be like, "What just happened to me?" That's that's share the gospel with me. And by the way, did you know that uh, in the New Testament there isn't one example of successful evangelism that doesn't include the gifts of the Spirit, either the prophetic or words of knowledge? Look at the woman of the well. Jesus gave her words of knowledge. She became a phenomenal um, evangelist in the early church. Even beyond what Scripture says, she's, um, she's honored amongst uh, uh, the Eastern Orthodox Church as a saint. Uh, she was just a, 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 an amazing evangelist, one of the top four in the early church according to the church tradition. And so every, uh, so God has designed these gifts. God has put this in us. Uh, he's chosen gifts for you from the foundation of time and, and for you to operate them. And one of the things that you're supposed to be doing with them is affecting the world around you. And so I'm not saying like from here you should go leave and start exercising your gifts. I mean, you can. I'd be, that'd be awesome. Um, but there's a cultivating and honoring of what God has put in you that you can start to, like, just learning how to do this, exercising those muscles. Paul talks about exercising the gifts. And so, um, so that awakened something in me, but none of that, all of that was part of the journey that led me um, to this. And I'm just going to read a couple things to you. One was um, from Ephesians uh, 3. It's part of the prayer that uh, Paul prayed over the early church in the church in Ephesus, and it's what he, his heart would, e would be for us. And, and first, let me, um, let me get into the Greek a little bit, just so you understand. In the Greek, there's two words for knowledge. Uh, there's gnosko and the word gnosis. And gnosko means experiential knowledge. Like, like you have experiential knowledge of your children or of your spouse, right? And then there's gnosis, which is like book smarts. Like you have a degree. If you graduate from college, you have a degree in something, but you, you don't have a job in that field yet, so you have book smarts, but you don't have any gnosko of that job, right? So you pass the bar as an attorney, and you have gnosis because you've passed the bar. You have head knowledge about how to operate the law, but you've never been in a courtroom yet, so you don't have gnosko. You don't have experiential knowledge, right? Does that make sense? Everybody get that? Okay. 
So what's interesting is the word gnosko, experiential knowledge, shows up 222 times in the New Testament. And I chuckle about that because I've been seeing 222 over and over and over again these last probably two years. In fact, I was chuckling because Richard and I were having breakfast, and this kid had a blanket around him in the common area of the, uh, of the hotel, and it was a black blanket, and it had these little clouds on it with Zs all over it, like ZZZ all over it. Well, to me, that looked like 222. I mean, it just, that's how I read it. So I said, Richard, turn around and look at it. He goes, they're Zs. I'm like, no, they're twos. It's like, so. And so let me read the scripture verse to you. It says, that you may be rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth, and to know the love of God Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the full fullness of God. So that you may, uh, and to know, to gnosko, to have the experiential knowledge of the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, book smarts, okay? So I always say this. So if, um, if, uh, if Michael Jordan, if I was a big, the world's biggest Michael Jordan fan, and I read every book on Michael Jordan, the autobiography, all of the biographies, even like memorized all of his game stats, of every game, and I just poured myself into that. Would I know Michael Jordan, or would I just know about Michael Jordan? See, we've been led to believe that if we just read Scripture, we'll know God, we'll know Jesus, we'll know the Holy Spirit, right? But the Bible will help you know about him, about his nature, about his character. We take everything that we experience and we go back to scripture to stay grounded in the word. But that doesn't help you know him. In fact, in that little, I give that little example I gave you, let's say I live in a house with Michael Jordan. And the whole time he's like, what's your name? Hey, Kelly, let's go play, let's go play horse. Now that'd be, we'd be foolish to play horse with Michael Jordan. We're going to lose out every time. But let's go play horse. Hey, let's go play, let's go have coffee. Let's go. And Kelly's like, no, 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 I'm reading about you. Don't interrupt me while I read about you. I have more reading to do about you. And so let's do that some other time because I've got more to read and more to learn about you. And the whole time the Holy Spirit is tugging on our heart saying, Kelly, spend time with me. Spend everything you're reading about me. I want you to experience with me. I want you to experience together with me. You can check your own heart about this. Do you enjoy spending time in prayer with him? If you think about prayer as a task and not an opportunity to commune with your father, to commune with the Godhead, then you're not having experiential knowledge of Jesus. You're not having experiential knowledge of the Holy Spirit. Because when you have experiential knowledge of him, all you want to do is spend time with him. It's the reason you were created. It fills a place in your heart that can only be filled with him together. That's what you were designed for and created for. It's what you're going to do when you get to heaven. But he's not, like his heart is not for you to learn all this stuff when you get there. His heart is for you to walk in this now. He needs you to walk in it now for the sake of the world that are outside these four walls. 
And so this is something that, like, I'm telling you, this is the passion of my heart because I've been the person. I wasn't like that for 40-something years of being a believer. And now it's just amazing. It's just amazing. I started spending time with the Lord. I made a commitment. I'm talking about a guy that never spent more than five minutes praying, maybe a week. Like, I would talk to him, and we would, you know. And most of the time, it like, me coming in the door, hey, God, hey, 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 Kelly, how are you doing? You know, hey, listen, here's what's going on in my life. I got this thing going on. I need help with my wife. I need help with school. There's a, you know, we've got a lot of bills. I need a better job. And uh, I really hope you could pray for, you know, just help my, my brothers and sisters. They're struggling for us, f- you know, through a few things. Your help would be awesome. Thanks. Hey, have a great day. And all the time, God's like, or Kelly's like, uh, uh. And all we do, that's not talk, that's just talking at someone. That's not communing with someone. And, and so I, I made the commitment to spend an hour a night from 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock at night and just sit in his presence and just be with him by faith. You know, Scripture says that your spirit and the Holy Spirit are one spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, He who has joined the Lord, joined to the Lord, becomes one spirit with him. Your spirit and the Holy Spirit are one spirit. Is that your daughter? Or is it a daughter? Okay. Can you? Can I just have you stand up for a second? Okay. So this, what's her name? Vivian. So Vivian is a product of the DNA of her mother and her father. Imagine trying to separate the DNA of that baby, of her mother and her father. Could you do it? Thank you. That's your spirit and the Holy Spirit. You become one. I could get into the Greek and I could walk you through it. You'd, you know, you'd fall asleep and, you know, whatever. But it's, it's, you are one spirit with the Holy Spirit. And all he wants to do, this is the price Jesus paid so that you could commune with him. Okay? And so my heart for you today is that I would that this message would light a spark in your heart, a desire for you to walk in a level of intimacy with him that you've never experienced before. That Jesus would get what he paid for. Everything he did was solely for the purpose of making you putting you in right standing with God so that you could boldly approach the throne of grace, so that you could stand before him and commune with him as a father instead of just like you're not, you know. Yeah, so that you can you be adopted into the family and be called his son, and you could call him Abba, Daddy, God, okay? So the other thing Jesus paid for, so that's my heart for you guys. I'm going to pray for you over that in a moment. The other thing he paid for, the Bible says, is in the beating that he bore, the stripes that he bore. In Hebrews it said he was marred beyond recognition. And so... When you, if you remember the movie The Passion, if you ever saw The Passion, you can still recognize the character. He was beaten worse than that, and that's a pretty brutal movie. And the sole purpose of the physical beating that he bore was for our physical healing. And so we just spent a weekend going over the depth and just pouring into Scripture about healing, about God's will to heal. Um, it, I think it's one of the most complete uh, teachings. I'm not patting our, my back or Richard's back. It's just we just have felt the need to like remove all of the sacred cows when it comes to healing, because when you pray for someone, you need to know 
that it's God's will to heal. Uh, you can't have the question in your mind, uh, does he want to heal? Because that would wave, that would make you put your faith in a place of wavering. And we know from James 1.5 that, um, you know, a wavering, a man with a wavering mind or heart is double-minded, tossed about like a ship on the ocean uh, to and fro. And so we really poured into this. And so I'm going to pray over you, and I'm, I'm going to ha- ask the people that came to the workshop uh, to come up and stand here, and they're going to divide up into twos. And if you have he- need for healing in your body, uh, I'd ask that you come up and just match up with somebody and let them uh, pray for you. There's a lot of ranchers here. There's a lot of hard-working blue-collar people. Uh, so, um, uh, you know, just come up and, and, and have prayer. Jesus paid for it all. We've been in meetings where uh, a lady with a just a terrible, terrible brain condition called Chiara malformation, where the brain is not staying in the housing that and moving back over their spinal column, so she would get vertigo, seven different kinds of headaches, nausea. Um, it's it's terrible. I, a friend of ours had it, and she put on Facebook, I'm not sure how much longer I can live through this. And we prayed for her, and God healed her. And then in another meeting, we had that lady, the one that I'm talking about, This other, I'm sorry, it's the same situation, but a different woman, standing here, and right next to her was a lady who stubbed her toe. And God healed both of them. So Jesus, paid. it's already been paid for. It's ar- it was paid for 2,000 years ago. So if you have anything in your body, it doesn't matter how long you've had it and how much you've coped with it. And, you know, it's really not a big deal. I've had it for so long. I just, I just don't worry about it. Hey, Jesus paid for it. Let's get you healed. Okay? So if you've been to the workshop, come on up. Come on, chop, chop. I'm looking at faces of people who are actually there and have not are not coming up, which is the first time for us. I don't think we've ever – some people will just not come Sunday because they're scared of coming up, but I see people who are actually at the thing and have not been there. So do I need to call you up by name? I will. I'm not ashamed. I'm, I'm, come on. There's one more. I'm not going to mention his name, Derek. Denny, rather. Come on up, Denny. All right, so let me pray over you first because I want you guys to, uh, you know, when I read when I read that prayer that Paul reads, and I, I encourage you guys to read it, and I can almost feel his heart because he's experienced the experiential knowledge of Jesus in a way that I, could o- I, I can only pray that I, I, I know it that well. And his, I can, but I can hear the yearning in his heart that for anyone that reads that verse, those verses in that prayer, that they would, know, have an experiential knowledge of Jesus. It is the only thing that will um, that will change you, that will change your life. And I'll give you one more scripture verse because it just came to mind. 2 Corinthians 3, uh, 18. I'm going to read it in the um, New Living Translation. Sorry, hold on. Okay, 2 Corinthians 3.18. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Part of that experiential knowledge that I'm talking about is in your prayer time. Just imagining his presence, 
You don't have, that's a fact. Scripture says this, you are always in his presence whether you feel it or not. But I imagine the face of Jesus. I behold him in my quiet time. I behold his presence. I behold him because scripture says and promises that I will be able to see and reflect his glory and be changed into his image. Churches have become really good at behavioral modification. You need to be a better person. You need to be more sanctified. You need to be more. You can't do it. Only he can do it through you. And the way that he does it through you is that you behold him, that you quiet yourself and you focus on him. You are not, you cannot focus on the fruit of the spirit. If you're not patient, you can't become patient by dwelling on impatience or dwelling on your problems. You become a fruit of the Spirit by getting close to the tree of the Spirit. It's not the works of the Spirit. That's not what it's called. It's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit is a byproduct of the tree. You want to look like the tree? Get near the tree. Right? And Scripture says we've been grafted into the vine. So we need to just spend more time beholding him, spend more time asking. Richard has a prayer. His number one prayer is what? To know his heart. And I promise you, if you pray that prayer, that is not an invitation that he will turn, turn down. It says he has been longing for you to know his heart from before time began. And I just want you to know this. I want, you to, I want this to change your life. Because you were created for more. You were created for more. You were created for more. There's a purpose and a calling and a destiny that he's called you to that you were created for. And the only way you will be able to walk in it is to do it together with him as he reveals it to you as you spend time with him. And as you spend time stepping out doing what these guys are about to do. All right? So let me pray over you, and we'll get started. So, Father, um, Lord, let these words not drop to the ground. Let them have uh, staying power in the hearts of the people that are here to hear this. And Father, just light the fire uh, in their hearts. Show them your desire to know, uh, your desire to know them intimately, that they would approach you intimately and honestly with humble hearts and take them on the journey that you have prepared for them. In Ephesians 2.10, you wrote, that, y- that we are your masterpiece created for good works in Christ that you have already prepared for us beforehand, that we might walk in them. So, Lord, give us the relational foundation with you to know what is the hope of our calling, to know um, how to walk out what you've prepared for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so let's uh, let's match up, just in twos. You guys can stay together, um, or uh, someone can. I'll join one of you guys. But if if you have anything at all, and like I said, Jesus has already paid for it, and He paid for it dearly. So let's just get what He's paid for, okay? Come on up. I know that walk. Knee or hip replacement. Okay. Okay, okay. Um, let's come over. You guys are awesome over here. Come over here with these folks. Do you need prayer as well? Okay. So why don't you guys, um, 
Let's see. You two pray together, and I'll pray with you as well. Anybody else? So here's, okay, so just stay where you're at as, a, as something opens up. Oh, Richard and, and, and uh, Maria, yeah, come over here. Yeah. And so as something opens up, uh, just come on up, okay? So uh, go ahead. And then uh, throughout, I'll just be asking for testimonies because these people, as they get prayed for, will be healed, and we'll just want to hear testimonies and stuff, okay? Okay.